dreaming It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss Welcome, welcome, welcome to this snowy, blowy, ho-ho-ho podcast of the South Dakota Game Fisher Parks. It's the South Dakota Game Fisher Parks podcast in Blast. I am Chris Hull, and today, uh, via our homes, because the state offices are shut down, I'm with um, communications manager Nick Harrington and fisheries program manager Jake Davis from Rapid City. How's it going, boys? Good. How are you guys doing? Happy to be here. Now, now that's a little thick, Jake, but but we appreciate the uh, sentiment. Um, both of these guys have been on with me before. Uh, when I was doing COVID, Nick and I did a bunch of, of these together, and I always have Jake on when we're talking fish and stuff. And today, since it is winter and it's snowing and blowing, we're going to talk ice fishing and specifically ice fishing access. Uh, Jake has and his crew are kind of in charge of the ice fishing access program in South Dakota. And um, I think there's probably even a perception that a lot of people don't even know that that's out there. Jake, you ever hear that from folks that oh, didn't even know you guys did that? That's true. Um, do a lot of work to get folks to the ice. It's a it's a popular time of year and a great way to, to use the resource. So, Jake, let, let's just start out what. You know, we've got lakes scattered all over here and rapid and, and and you're kind of in charge of like some of the habitat and access programs that go on across the state. Um, let's talk about, you know, where these are and how many you got. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a lot of resources in South Dakota, aquatic resources spread all across the state. And uh, one of the big things we focus on is just getting the users to those. And so across the state, when it comes to winter ice fishing, we have 173 locations that we provide access at, whether that's internal game fishing park staff or partnering with some external entities that are out there. But really, whether you're in western South Dakota, central South Dakota, eastern South Dakota, we've got a lot of places that, uh, you know, you can find a spot to go fish during this time of year. What, um, so you're talking about, you know, you use wildlife staff park staff if if it works and like other private partnerships like are we are we having the local farmer or local rancher or something that has has you know that lives close by to a public body of water what are you talking about there you know in a lot of cases it's whatever makes the most sense so we partner with municipalities counties uh private contractors who's ever going to be out there and closest rather than having two people do it uh, if they're going to be out there with snow removal equipment anyway, snow plows and things, it just makes more sense to to partner with them to with they're out clearing a road to also hit an access area. Sure. What um what is it what does it entail? I mean, um, you know, when we're talking about access, what are you talking about providing? Sure. You know, a lot of it is not just say what you think of as a typical bolt ramp area or something. It's the road, the trail, whatever it takes to get somebody to that. Now, we don't go on the ice, but we get people to that point. And in a lot of cases, that can mean snow removal, but you have ice heaves that may form on the shore, and that's going to be included as well. And, uh, Chris, when you look at our users out there, it's a pretty diverse group, especially when it comes to ways that they access the ice. That can be anything from somebody walking or, or pulling a sled to a, a vehicle towing a, a, a large ice shack. 
And so a lot of it is just whatever it takes to get that spectrum all the way to that system. Sure, at using whatever equipment you got necessary, bobcats, skid steers, tractors, everything. Yep. So we've got internal equipment might be anything from a truck with a snow plow or uh, just a yeah snow plow all the way to a skid steer with a snowblower attachment to it. We try and have those spread across the state. And then when you look at some of our partners, it might be a county snow plow. And so again, there's a lot of different tools that we use, and each one is say specific to each scenario. But uh, again, uh, it's whatever makes the most sense in that area. And, and Mother Nature also likes to throw us curveballs. And so those, you know, you never know what, at times what you might find, whether it's drifts to ice heaps. Right. Nick, what do you got? So one bi- question to build off that, Jake. So one thing I hear a lot about this time of year um, is parking. I mean, when we're doing those access areas, we're also paving out parking areas then, correct? For you know, there could be trucks and trailers pulling ATVs, sleds, snow bears. That's all included, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the hard thing is, is knowing where that pressure might be. Certainly in, in, say, the northeast part of South Dakota or wherever it might be, you get some hot bites. And we might provide some access, but you never know what that number of, of users might be trying to get to it. But we do the best we can. But we also want to remind people that when you're out there to be smart on where you park, there are certainly some areas whether it's a county road or something, there's there's maintenance equipment or emergency equipment that needs to get through. And so we just want to make sure people are cognizant of, of where they're parking to make sure that other folks can get through. And, and again, we do the best that we can, but it is hard to predict, you know, certainly when a bite hits and, and all of a sudden you has, have a, a mad rush of users there, it can be a, a challenge for sure. All right. Nothing, nothing tips all over, you know, people who live on those roads or the locals that when you come over a hill and you can't get through. <laughs> yep. And and I think that's a good reminder too, Jake, is, you know, recreation and respect is, is so important all the time, but especially this time of year, it is so easy for ice anglers to, to park where they shouldn't, even if those options are limited, leave trash. I mean, there's just a variety of things that that happen out on the ice that it's just a good reminder to folks that, you know, we all enjoy these resources and we work really hard to provide access to them and and showing that respect to the fellow anglers, GFP, landowners. That's just something that we all need to keep in mind all the time, especially this time of year. Um, kind of building off, off of that, do we do we ever i know we don't plow out roads like you know the resorts and stuff in in minnesota lake of the woods or whatnot do we ever do our crews ever plow out an area or move snow on the area like along the shoreline like on the ice for folks to park you know again it's kind of specific to location but but in general we just try and get people to that ice Um, sure you know in it's just more of a safety thing at that point for our staff to once you go on the ice per se. Yep. But yes, you know, you're right. When when I think about fishing Lake of the Woods growing up and you see the street signs out there and that sort of thing, that we we do not go that far. Yeah, I, I would guess there's some heavy insurance uh liabilities included in that too. So correct. Yeah. You uh Nick and and I haven't really heard. I, I know there was a few places a couple of years back that were trying to do some of that on some of the on the bigger lakes with the hotter bites is going out and plowing roads i know you know some of our guide services and stuff do a little bit of that but that's mainly to get their shacks around 
I, that's what I think too. I, I think some of those those folks that are guiding and are running multiple, you know, permanent shacks out there over the winter. I know they do some plowing to their shacks, but honestly, I I, I haven't heard a ton about other folks doing it. And frankly, I mean, even the last couple of years, there really hasn't been a tremendous need for that. I mean, this is for folks that haven't been fishing in South Dakota. I know Northeast, you guys got some heavy snow up up that way last year, whole. But I mean, we've been pretty fortunate for as far as you know ice travel. That it, I think this year is going to be kind of a different animal for a lot of folks. I mean, when when they come up here and fish, what should they be bringing? I mean, tow ropes. Uh, what would you bring for for coming out up here and fishing this time of year? I, you know, honestly, snowmobile. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it is funny because you know last year got a lot later start to the ice season, and I was up insisting last year on new year's and some of my buddies had drug out one of their bigger like sleeper shack permies and um we were on a lake that that jake's crew does access and that sucker had blown shut and it was you weren't getting there i mean you just weren't so luckily enough we we could get fairly close to it and we walked out and you know it took um you know that those shacks were there on a couple of those lakes and they they never really moved because you know you just weren't getting around now you could get out to the ice because the you know the landing was being cleared and stuff but man you couldn't get anything big enough out there to move it you know a ranger with tracks but boy it was tough going so i i would i would think that this year especially and jake you're probably already hearing it already uh this program's gonna if we aren't getting them plowed out we're gonna hear about it yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that desire, and we've seen it increase, we've done a lot to even equip our staff with better equipment to be more responsive. Um, you know, the hard thing is, is what changing conditions, especially with the winds that we're getting right now, mm -hmm. that continuing to maintain that access can be quite difficult. And it's almost consistent maintenance, to be honest. I mean, I certainly don't have to tell you gentlemen what happens when the wind blows in South Dakota with a little snow on the ground. All that work you did the day before could be erased pretty quick. Right. How how often or what's the schedule on trying to get those cleared? You know, weather weather permitting. You know, in a lot of cases it's it's going to be just um, when staff have somewhat availability, but also just what the conditions give you. I mean, a lot of cases we have routes, if you will, where where that's mm -hmm. going to happen. And then when we partner with other entities, it's going to be when when they're on their routes doing their snow removal efforts or something. So again, some of that scheduling can be dependent on which entity is, is in charge of it. But uh, the big thing is we're going to be as responsive as we can to keep those access areas open. And, you know, something I would add on too, you know, traditionally, especially mid ice, we're used to those big shacks that you talk about whole, but we're pretty fortunate here that, if we can get to the water, like you're saying, Jake, there's a lot of good places that we can just walk out ourselves and have really good fishing. I mean, when I was in at SDSU in Brookings, I had three or four water bodies that even in the middle of the year, I would still walk out on just because I was driving farther than I was really walking where I parked. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind for folks, too, is when we get them to the water, you know, you don't need to drive all the way across the lake to find really good fishing a lot of the time. Yeah, I think Jake and I had talked about that. I think the last time I was I had him on, especially in in central South Dakota and what the western part of the state, you know, you're dealing with for the most part predominantly smaller 
smaller bodies of water that are super accessible, whether it's shore fishing or ice fishing. You know, central South Dakota, it's been a while since we've had enough ice to really safely drive on some of this stuff, but you don't need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about fishing some of the bigger waters in northern Minnesota, Red Lake and Lake of the Woods, and you may be traveling miles to get to a spot, but fishing here in South Dakota, I can't hardly think of a spot I couldn't walk to and, and tow a sled. And, but even then, that's one of the, the big desires and, and benefits of ice fishing is, you know, for folks that may not have access to a watercraft in the summer or something, you can get to places of even a small impoundment that you may not be able to access right. as a shore angler. And it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Right. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that, too. Ice fishing is, you know, it's it is my favorite. If I could teach my dogs to ice fish, I quit pheasant hunting, but they don't have thumbs, so they struggle with reeling. But, um, you know, one of the reasons I like ice fishing so much is because, you know, you can do is exactly what you said, Jake. But it's also for people who it, it, it's a lot cheaper than going out and buying a boat, you know, especially with with the improvements every year with these companies making you know whether it's shacks or augers or grass or whatever you know that stuff is still fairly affordable new but if you're resourceful at all and you're looking around on the internet you can get some you can get a whole really really good setup for 800 bucks and that's shack auger rods you know vexilar everything you need and a pair of boots or maybe some snowshoes today and you strap it on there and you go out and you put your heater on and, and you can be really successful and really mobile. So the, and that's what the, I, that's what I like the most too. When I was, when I was a college student in Brookings is, you know, shore fishing spring, fall, I would have four or five spots on maybe three water bodies, but ice season came around and I would fish 25, 30 water bodies just because that was my opportunity. That was my time to, to get out on the various parts of Bitter, Wa Bay, Dry 2, Indian Springs. Those were, those were some of my favorites pond set, but I mean, this is just a really fun time of year for, for everybody to get out, like you said. And maybe this is a good segue. The one thing I do want to mention too, is a resource for users when they're looking at places to go fish. Um, you know, one of the things that we have on our website is the non-meandered waters map list, and it lists the closure areas. And that is something that, that folks need to be aware of. But those resources are out there. We update it constantly if there's a new closure, um, and they should they, they need to be marked as well. But we have those online resources, too. So if you're curious to know what waters are in your area where you're thinking of going, uh, just pop online, and we have that for you. Yeah, and that's under, like, the fishing page and then there's an actual fishing act or ice fishing ice fishing access tab right yeah so if you go to the maps tab there'll be a map specific to to non-meandered waters and if you look there'll be an icon with an exclamation point and you can zoom in and and see because it may not be an entire water body it may just be a section of it and so that'll be denoted on there um where you might be able to fish but also where it's a closure right and what about where can they find where we uh provide access so that would be on the fishing access map, and it's going to have a lot of those those boat ramp locations. And I was just looking this morning, and they'll one will say open, and it'll be cleared for ice access, for example. But that's sure. that's on that same maps page on the website. Cool. And and on that same map too, that's where we have those that information on water bodies. Our our fisheries report viewer, you can see all the work that Jake and his crew are are doing and seeing sample reports, stocking reports. We yep. have a ton of resources for anglers out there. And I know we could spend the next two hours talking about them, but I mean, days like today when it's blowing, snowing, this is a great time to really do your homework and and plan your trips for the season. 
Yeah, it, it is. It is amazing. You know, and I, I peruse the, the social media, you know, ice fishing, South Dakota, fishing, South Dakota, all those. And it's, you know, it's the questions from people from everywhere and it's constant. There are thread after thread after thread about access, about how's the ice, how's the bite, you know, can I drive, you know, I, I don't even know if we had four inches of ice in pier and there were guys asking, you know, can I get, can I drive my permanent and my, my big truck out on bitter and guys are taking pictures like it's still open, <laughs> you know, uh, ice fishermen are always the, um, seems like they're always the first ones to want to push the limit and, and, um, you know, we, we can't stress safety enough and, and, but, but it's, it's man that the desire to get up in the, in the waters of South Dakota to ice fish is, is crazy. It really is. Uh, what did we miss, Jake? Let's talk about, I mean, what, what did we miss? You know, as it was as was mentioned, the the safety of it is always an important thing. We try and remind people what safe ice is, but the big thing too is just just be cognizant and check as you go because ice conditions are dynamic. Um, apologize, I got a little background noise. I got a kid home from school today since they're on Christmas break. Hey, but, that's okay. Um, they're welcome too. Yeah, yeah um, and he's a six year old. And if it wasn't forty nine below today with the wind chill, we'd probably be trying to ice fish somewhere. But instead, uh, we're just uh, we're huddling inside. But you know, certainly the safety aspect. And then just take a look at some of the regulations that are out there. Always look. Um, we have that information available. And in certain cases, there's some changes. And and one change for this year would be the, the ice shack removal date that, that has been in place for, yeah. for quite some time in South Dakota, um, that last day of February. Um, and after some discussions, what, what we did was we actually removed that date. And so, so now shacks... Uh, can be left overnight if they're occupied, but take a look at that. However, on Minnesota border waters, that date is now March 5th, and that's meant to align with Minnesota regulations. But, you know, there are some changes that have been made, but all that information is available in the fishing handbook, available online. And just to have people, when you're doing your online scouting, for the, the maps that we put out there, take a look at the fishing handbook as well. And Great. That's, what, you... that's why you make the big bucks, Jake. I'm I'm glad you brought up those changes too because I know there was one more that we should probably talk about is those ice ice anglers on the lower end of Francis Case they're going to see a they're going to see a change this year too correct Yes absolutely where it used to be that you were required to keep the first four walleye that were that were pulled through the ice um, and that 15 inch minimum was was not in place that has been modified so that um, you don't have to do that however that 15 inch minimum is in place now and that's meant to standardize regulations as well but uh, that is a change for this year. Yeah, and I, I think one more thing I, I also want to hit on and the rules that people always get stuck on is the ability to catch and eat fish while you're out on the ice. Let's try to hammer through that. Between the three of us, I think we can get them in the right direction. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing is that you take a look at where you're fishing and see if there's water specific size limits that apply for certain game fish species. That's the big one there because then you need to keep keep the fish essentially whole for, for measurements. Now the one caveat is because we have the statewide one over 20 for walleye, which would essentially apply to, to all waters, um, that is not part of that regulation. So, so Jake, just talking through it, let's say I'm fishing on Lake Ponset where we took that 15-inch minimum off. Oh, I would have still been in college, like maybe 17, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm I'm camped out on Lake Ponset. 
I've got, you know, a couple 14 inches, a couple 15 inches. Um, I, I fry them up. Good to go there then. That wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't have to worry about that at all then. Yep. Um, you just need to make sure that uh, you keep, well, essentially you just need to still have, uh, it applies to your daily limit and everything, but that's a case where that water specific, species specific reg is no longer in place, right? Cool. Now, I want to talk daily limit, too, because this is probably the time of year that it impacts. What is that daily limit? I mean, is it calendar day? Is it morning and I come back? How how does that work when I'm staying out on the ice itself? So it, it resets at 12.01. So that's um, yeah, essentially your, your calendar day, not when you get on the ice. Yep. So when I so when I have a really good wake up period between one and two a.m. that I catch all my walleyes, I'm done until midnight the next night. Yes, twelve oh one the next. Yep. So and let's I want to revisit the eating stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you say we clean clean four nicks four walleyes on Ponset, uh, I don't know if I've ever caught a decent walleye on Ponset. I that one's got my number, but um, we got to keep the keep the carcasses. Is that right? And like keep them frozen to, to prove our daily limit or what? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, you can't dispose of those through the ice hole or anything right. that way as well. So that that's important to, to notice, too. But, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be so on those those ones that have the specific water regs. The only thing that can be like so if there was a 15 inch minimum on walleye, for example, the only thing that can be removed would be the uh, the gills, entrails, scales and eyes. Otherwise, sure. everything else needs to be to be there. Yep. Sure. Cool. Um, what else did we miss? I'm trying to think. I had something in my brain, and now it's gone. Shocking. I, I was just going to talk a little bit, too, about, I mean, the fishing itself. This year that we're going to see probably more snow cover um, with these cold temps, likely some thick ice. I mean, what does that mean for, for the underwater world that, you know, we can't relate to because we aren't down there? What what should anglers be thinking about this time of year in terms of that, Jake? Well, I mean, when you have that heavy snow cover, uh, if you don't get any light penetration, that can affect what kind of oxygen production happens. And each system is going to be a little different as far as, as what the oxygen demand is underneath the water, um, what the vegetation might be. And if it's a lake that has a lot of vegetation that starts breaking down, that that's going to burn dissolved oxygen. And and certainly uh, some of our, our systems that are maybe not very deep to begin with, when they have a dry year like what we had, they are going in several feet low. Um, it's one of those that, you know, it may be prime for a winter kill type scenario that that does happen out there. Um, so there are some, some processes that happen when you have that, that heavy snow and that prevents sunlight penetration, any oxygen production, and then internal processes that are burning oxygen underneath the ice. So we do see winter kill scenarios almost on an annual basis. Now, some systems are, are usually fairly buffered from it that have, you know, say pretty good capacity to hold dissolved oxygen, but it's some of those shallow or marginal waters that uh, in certain cases are, um, you know, maybe more susceptible than others. See, yeah, well, this is why Jake's smarter than us, because I was going to say, like, use chartreuse or something like right. that. That's yeah, what I was They <laughs> shine a light down there. Uh, it is it is kind of a double-edged sword, though, right, Jake? I mean, out in your neck of the woods, and especially, you know, certainly you don't have to get very far west of here. And man, it was the Sahara Desert. It really was dry. You're talking to landowners and, you know, they've got stock dams and ponds that they've never seen dry and they're dry. So, you know, you get these big snows and everybody's like, man, you know, 
boy, we need the moisture and that'll fill up some of these dams. And at the same time, you're like, yeah, the ones that we've got are in a little bit tough shape and, and uh, they might die off. They might be full in the spring, but, but there might be full of dead fish too. Yep. And um, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, a system that's maybe only 10 feet deep, doesn't have a whole lot of buffer. And if it goes into it three or four feet down, um, that's really a lot of potential habitat that, that isn't there uh, to help get it through the winter. And, there also are some some fish species like gizzard shad that are very sensitive to cold temps anyway. So a lot of times we don't know about a fish kill until the springtime. But in some cases, too, if it's a shad system and there's dead shad on the shore when the ice comes off, that may not mean that it's a total fish kill. It may just be species specific. But, right. Um, we're always looking for, for uh, comments, input from the public in the spring to see where fish kills may have happened. In a lot of cases, we'll go out and evaluate to determine if it was species specific, if it was a partial or a total winter kill, um, and that helps drive some of our management actions. We do track that as well as far as uh, we have a fish kill database, for example, and those are entered into it. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of systems that I was just the snow is good and the fact that we're going to hopefully have some in the spring, but it may give them a really tough road here in the winter until we get to that point. Um, what are you hearing for, uh, for fish biting out your way, Jake, anything and ice conditions? Well, for that? I yeah, I mean, folks are starting to certainly get out. We're getting some reports of, of, you know, fishable ice out there. Um, but again, I was also talking to staff in in other parts of the state, the Northeast, for example, that even with the cold temps, they've still got water bodies with open water on it. Yep. And um, so you always want to be cognizant of that, and especially any system that has moving water through it or any current. Boy, those ice conditions, uh, they take a long time to form, and they change pretty rapidly. Nick, you got anything else? I would say that as a fairly new peer resident, I guess it's been four years, but we really haven't had a good winter for ice fishing since I've been out here. Uh, I think I've learned that lesson uh, pretty pretty quickly. I've tried to fish uh, Hippo Lake here in Farm Island, and listening to the water and what the current does to that <laughs> ice, that is, a, that is a different situation that this kid wasn't quite ready for. Um, yeah. So so I think you bring up a really good point, too, is just always being mindful of, you know, what's going on with the things that we can't see, because that's, you know, this, this is ice fishing. What we see on top isn't quite what's going on below, too. So I think you bring up a great point there. And I'm going to have to have Holt teach me how to how to ice fish out here on the river. And I guess I'll trade him ponds at waypoints for it, too. So yeah, there you go. It, it is. Well, it, it, go ahead, Jake. There's a lot of good resources, but there's no fish that swims in South Dakota waters that's worth anybody's life. So, um, you know, take proper precautions, check the ice as you go, and, and just be aware. Yeah, that river is is just a different beast. I I love fishing it. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy a couple of days ago, and he was like, "Well, we were down at Joe Creek fishing the bay before the first this last cold snap." And I just looked at him and I said, "How much ice?" Well, three inches. And I said, three inches, and there's unpredictable currents even in that bay." Um, I just kind of went, "Oh boy, you guys gotta maybe put a woe on that a little bit until." until you get a good 10, 10 inches or a foot, you know, out there, it's, that can be spooky, Nick, I'm with you. 
I, I was on five and a half, six inches on Hippo, and I told you how scared I was. I, right. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was a brave kid in college, and yeah. here I am now. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Jake, thanks for your time. Um, we appreciate it. We kind of put you through some of the law dog stuff, too, and, and you can always cover it. So yep. that's why you're the man. Well, I, I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Like I said, it's a, it's a great time to get out, use the resource, and uh, – just, but the big thing is be smart, but again, take advantage of the resources that Game Fishing Parks provides. Um, we do what we can to, you know, make sure that, that users can really get out and use the resources time of year. I, I second that too, Jake. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think in terms, I'm a little biased, but I mean, I think in terms of the, the resources we give anglers, whether that's access to the water, whether that's all the fisheries maps we have reports i mean there is there is everything you need to, to have a lot of fun ice fishing here in south dakota i i can tell you that that growing up where i did if i would have had those resources online about stocking reports and and some of that access stuff and everything i probably would have flunked out of high school because <laughs> i had a hard enough time going to school and not fishing every day anyway so awesome well thanks jake we appreciate it stay warm uh once it gets warmed up take those kids out and and uh catch them some fish thanks buddy thanks guys yep thank you guys all right well that was uh fisheries program manager and local dreamboat and gordon lightfoot aficionado northern minnesota legend jake davis uh that had a he's a smart dude huh nick he's very smart like i said i I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, use UV colors and chartreuse, and he's telling me all about the systems that happen below the ice. Like, you know, bring those little tasers that light up the lures. Those right. are cool. But what about a submersible light? Would that help? You know? Hey, I've uh, thought about that before. I've thought about I, that. I've, I've done that uh, down at, uh, like, Downs Marina and stuff when you're crappie fishing. You put, put one there and try to get the little minnows and one day it worked really well, and then I've tried it about ten times since, and I it, it seems to scare fish. So <laughs> I know they use them in places and it worked, but uh, I just gave up. It was one more thing I had in the shack that I didn't need, I guess. So. And then you forget to charge it, and then it right. just doesn't work, and then you're mad. No, oh, I know right. it very well, very very spent, well. Spent my last ten dollars on beer and McDonald's, and now I don't have money for double A batteries. <laughs> um. Nick, since we're we're coming towards the end of the year, um, you know, I think everybody's kind of looking, you know, how did we wrap up and what's our license sales numbers and, you know, what did we do? And let's look back on accomplishments, but it kind of our job is we're already past that. And, and as communications guys, we're what's coming. So first of the year, you know, people can buy their licenses now and they're good for 20 23 right yep yep so they can buy uh, licenses after the 15th of december and they'll be good until i mean your combo your fishing licenses they'll be good until january 31 of actually 2024 because you yep. can get the full you can get the full year and those that extra month right and then let's talk about um you know with the new system um with our go outdoors system and stuff when is that auto renew coming and what should people do to make sure that that they're getting their license and stuff. Yeah, so those licenses on the spot here too. I'm sorry. 
Nope, I can do this one. So those licenses that are going to auto-renew, your your resident combination licenses, your fishing licenses, resident small game licenses, um, fur bear licenses, if you are signed up for auto-renew, expect that auto-renew to happen on January 24th. That's when we're planning for those licenses to auto-renew. Um, great time right now, while you got still about a month, go in, make sure that payment information is still what you would like it to be. If anything changed with your residency, your address, anything like that, this is a great time to go in, um, update all that information. While you're in there, um, go in by January 4th. If you haven't already, buy your preference points for those seasons. So those are going to be for your, your 2023 seasons. You can still buy those points up until January 4th. So it's just a good time to take that holiday period Get in there, make sure your information's right, make sure you have everything you want ready to roll, and, and get those preference points, too, if you haven't already. And and those licenses will auto-renew for those folks uh, January 24th again. Yeah, good point on the uh, preference points. I went in there to do that and then realized my card, I had, I had an expired card that expired in, like, October. So I went in there and made those changes, lickety-split, and the auto-renew stuff will come through. I may have just bought my preference points yesterday, too. So that's also why it's fresh in my mind. Well, last year, you know, after all the emails and communications and stuff that we do, got to January, you know, past the deadline, looked up and went, oh, I didn't buy any of my preference points. <laughs> so, yeah, the diehard hunter that I am these days. But um, let's what, what else we got coming for the first of the year? New stuff that we got coming up. Yeah, so some stuff coming up um, that I'm really excited about. Our our park theme for 2023 is going to be the trails are calling. It's basically going to be everything hiking for, for 2023. And this is probably the one I'm most excited about because it is going to be Sasquatch themed. And as Hole and the rest of our team now know, I am very much a adamant Sasquatch fan. Uh, firm <laughs> believer. Uh, know quite a bit of Sasquatch biology, as much as you can know about <laughs> biology of a species that hasn't been confirmed yet, yet, for my fans. Um, but really excited for that. We're going to have signs out. I think we've got almost 40 parks participating. Um, you'll be able to take pictures with, with the signs that you find out on the trails. We're going to have an awesome, awesome giveaway, just like we have the last couple of years. Um, and that starts really with the first of the year. I think we've got 10 parks participating in, in first day hikes. You can find your local local park, local hikes, uh, the events page of our website. So gfp.sd.gov, click on events. It's got a whole calendar of everything we have going on, whether that's park events, um, fishing tournaments will go on there, um, reservation windows, all of that is going to be there. So it's a great resource, especially as you're looking for things to do. Um, I can imagine that after some snow days, folks are going to be very excited to get out. And hopefully it looks like we've got some warm weather too. So hopefully we have really good weather for those first day hikes too. Um, but yeah, just really excited that, you know, parks are open year round in, in South Dakota. I, I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people are still don't think about just because you might not be camping you can still go out you can hike you can cross-country ski you can snowshoe um our snowmobile season's open there's just a ton of things to do a lot of our parks have awesome ice fishing too um you know like i said hippo lake here pier farm island i i go into the park i park my truck basically where the swim beach is and i walk out that's that's yep. how i get on the water i mean so um just don't forget about those resources this time of year. It's not just a it's not just a summer thing, and and we have a lot of stuff too to keep you entertained. Yeah, you know those first day hikes are pretty cool, and and weather depending. And it looks like at least for Pier, 
you know, 30 degrees. Um, mm-hmm. geez, I'd take 30 degrees right now. That's 80 degrees warmer than I, I know than what it is right now. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, those first day hikes are pretty cool and weather depending, you know, I think was it two years ago that Custer Custer State Park had gotten some snow and then it was really nice. And I think they had like four or five hundred people, you know, yeah, doing it these a, it was a or, big event. Yep. Organized hikes and and it's pretty cool. And you know, I, I would echo what you said. You know, like when I was a kid, the the parks in the winter were a place where I could park and, and get on the ice. You know, yep. it probably took me to move to Pier and, you know, Farm Island and LaFromboise Island and some of that stuff where you realize how much, you know, the cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, bird watching. There are a lot of people that do that. And those are a lot of people that we might not always connect with. But I remember one of the first times I went out to Hippo Lake and to go ice fishing and I you know, I was going to park and go off to the crappie hole and there's 80 cars parked there. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look out on the ice and there's nobody there. I'm like, what in the heck? And there's, you know, a foot of snow. And uh, it happened to be a guy came out that worked for the department, Dave Odie. I'm like, Dave, you know, what what's going on? And he's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, we're bird watching, you know, we're doing our Christmas bird count or whatever. And I was like, holy smokes. There's, nope. you know, that's a ton of activity for a winter's day on a on a trail system. So that's cool stuff, really. And and don't forget too about um, I mean, here in Pier Oahi downstream, I think everyone associates that with the Eagles this time of year. And we've got yep. Eagles and Bagels that takes place in February, another event that's gonna draw, if the weather's good, a couple hundred people. I mean, it for is sure. those opportunities that, you know, especially I don't think about there's a lot of cool things that that happen in our parks just just like you said and you know there's there's always something to do and that's that's what makes it really cool for for everybody yeah that eagles and bagels thing um i did it a few years ago and i like to go down there and just kind of poke around and you know get a good close-up glimpse at an eagle or or you know and watch them fish or watch them chasing injured geese or whatever but that that thing is really cool i mean that's one of those things you come out of there and go huh I learned a lot today, and as as a middle aged adult that I am, it's hard to admit that you can still learn stuff. <laughs> but I mean, that's what it is, and and these events take place in our parks all across the state all year long too. I mean, this is Good Earth does awesome, Custer does awesome, Fort Sisseton up in your area hole. I mean, awesome stuff that you know things that again I'll speak for myself. I'd never even thought about learning or didn't even know yeah. I could learn. You can go find a find a lot. And that's that's really, really cool. That that Fort System Christmas event that they do is really amazing. Um and I'm looking at my daughter sitting here, she's laying on the dog waiting for me to get done so we can go do something. But I I really that's something you should take your family to. You know, the summer event is huge and it's you know, horses and cavalry and cannons and you know, all this stuff, there's people everywhere, but that the Christmas thing is a little bit more intimate, but I mean, the, the homemade stuff that they do and the way they do it and, and the snacks and, and all that stuff, man, you know, again, it's weather depending because that's, that's about as cold as it gets in the state is up in that country. But that event is, is something that, you know, I've tried to promote it as much as possible because it is awesome. And, and I think it's one of those things that, you know, why would I go to Lake City in in December? You know, I might not ever make it home. <laughs> that one's that one's worth it. That's that's really cool stuff that they do up there. And, and again, I think it just speaks. You know, this conversation we had with Jake, this conversation we're having right now, wherever you are in the state, there is something for you. I mean, and I think that's what makes 
South Dakota is so cool. Our, our state park system is so cool. Top to bottom, we have we have awesome things happening in our parks. We have awesome fisheries across the state. And, you know, I, I know I couldn't say that as a as a kid from Nebraska. I mean, so that's, again, wherever you are, there's there's something for you. And I think that speaks a lot, especially this time of year when there's not a lot of other things to do. Right. What else are we looking forward to or looking towards? I guess we got a commission meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. That those happen every month or you know, ten out of the year. Um but commission meetings, what else what else we got that's in your brain? I'm trying to think. You know, I think one thing that's really in my brain that that's important to me is, you know, getting our residents back out fishing. I mean, what we had in 2020, we had a, a ton of anglers take to the water and we just we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them come back. Um we're we're back without that pandemic, we would be still quite status quo losing anglers. So that's something mm-hmm. that we really want to to focus on. Um, and again, I think that's something that we just talked about here. Ice fishing is a great time to get out and take advantage of these resources when, when not a lot is going on. There's a ton of urban fisheries. So I would expect even more focus this year on, on what we have for for those anglers. And, and if you are one of those anglers that maybe got out in, in 2020 and, and haven't sent some, you know, what what can we do for you to to get back out there? We're going to be sending a survey to literally ask that question and and make sure that we are listening to our customers and and providing them with what they want. Um, so again, we have a ton of resources, and, and if you are one of those folks that maybe hasn't got got back out, I, I encourage you to you know take some time, even if it's just an afternoon, even if it's just a morning or a Saturday after softball rains out. Um, that's going to be a huge priority for us this year. Um, and again, I think it starts with ice fishing that we're that we're seeing right now, and we just talked to Jake about. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see exactly what the what that why is. I think you and I and and other people have had those conversations about you know it's the sports, it's it's the activities, it's you know your calendar can only hold so much. You know the capacity is is maxed out. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the stuff that maybe comes out of nowhere and it's like, Oh God, I never thought of that, you know, and is it something that we can do to make it more accessible, make it easier, make it, you know, I I don't even know if it's quicker, but you know, easier and and more accessible for those folks and, and, and to try to get them back and try to keep them back. Um, you know, like Charlie and I, you know, the pandemic was awesome for us because we were fishing all the time, you know, 10 o'clock. She's done with school and I grab my phone and my laptop and off we go. And we're shore fishing somewhere in the spring. Um, You know, last year probably didn't fish as much, but it seemed like when we did fish, we were fishing, you know, I'd maybe gone out and found some fish or something. And then, you know, okay, I know we can have success. I know, you know, almost exactly to the minute how much time we need to, to allocate to that. And it seemed like once we did that, then it was, she was going to me going, Hey, you know, we could go fishing. You know, we got two hours. We did it an hour last, last time we, you know, we can go. So it takes that effort, you know, and, and a little bit of that extra planning and stuff, but you know, I'm always been the one to preach. It doesn't need to be an all day thing, even if it's an hour, even if it's two hours. And I know you're the same way that you come off the water and, and all of a sudden your, your problems that were giving you a headache, maybe don't seem so bad. So. For what it's worth, I'm interested to see some of those answers that maybe we weren't looking for. And, and I think to 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 piggyback off that statement, whole too, avid anglers like ourselves, 
taking those people out to where we know we have good bites, where we know we can we can catch fish in an hour, two hours. You know, taking those new anglers is so key that maybe they don't have the equipment or at least certainly not, you know, the the volume or level of equipment that we might have. You know, it's on it's on all of us. When you say we, it's it's GFP, but it's also every single person that enjoys hunting, fishing here in South Dakota. And I, I think that's just a great way to, to get folks out too and, and kind of, you know, make sure we're all thinking about that because I know I have to. Right. Cool. Well, my brain's empty, man. What else you got? Anything? You know, I, I I think this is, like I said, just one of those good times to, you know, get everything set up and planned for, for this year. We've got the extended pheasant season still, so you can still hunt pheasants until January 31. Um, hopefully this, it looks like we got some warm temperatures coming, so there should still be some good hunting opportunities taking place, but, you know, get in, buy your 2023 licenses, make sure you got those preference points. Um, look at those, look at the resources we have on our website, the maps, fishing maps, public hunting access maps. We pretty much have a map for everything you would want to look at and, and resources too. Um, plan those trips even for next year. It's a, I, I always do my calendar in November because I'm kind of a crazy <laughs> man, but um, you know, I think that's my biggest my biggest challenge for everybody out there is, you know, let's, let's think about while resolutions are going on, let's think about how we can make 2023 great for hunting, fishing and, and enjoying our parks too. Right on. Right on. Well, buddy, travel safe, uh, stay warm and we'll see you probably in the new year, huh? Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you whole for having me back on. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't by popular demand. So that's, uh, <laughs> Hey, those ones we did during the pandemic are like the highest, highest listens. So maybe it is. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. They probably wait to see what crazy thing comes out of my mouth. Maybe that's what it is. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Hull. Have a good one. You too.
Grab the guitar in my face 